She did it. You think anybody's listening? I do. Someone's out there. Welcome to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Deep in the bowels of the frozen ice caverns of Hoth, our hosts, Carl Leclerc and Jason Hunt, discuss all things Star Wars. So join the conversation and hang out here in the Wampa's Lair. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 258. Oh. Always with your host, Jason Hunt, and this episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast is brought to you by Tops. Voyage across the Star Wars galaxy with Tops in an all-new trading card collection, Tops Journey to Star Wars, The Last Jedi, which comes out in two weeks from this recording. I know, it's crazy, but I'm not alone. As always, I'm joined by the BB-8 to my R2-D2. We have Carl LeClaire. Is that because I'm cute and you're a troublemaker? Well, yes, and also we are both bearers of hope. Yes, oh, buried deep within us, the hope for the future. <laughs> I am so excited about this episode. This hope has been such a... prevalent theme in star wars as of late so i thought it'd be really fun to just look at what hope is in star wars and and where we see it show up in the films specifically um and what it means to star wars as a as a saga epic i guess (laughs) (laughs) um but before we get into that jason we had a uh a, a pretty fun poll from last episode which we got to extend a little bit um, where we asked our Larians what their favorite musical moment was in Revenge of the Sith. Yes, and I have those results tallied. Da, 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 da. Uh, in fourth place with one vote each, we have quite a few here. We have uh, Anakin versus Obi-Wan, A New Hope, as in you know the, the end montage, uh, the You Were the Chosen One moment, Goodbye Old Friend, Obi-Wan and Anakin's last farewell as friends. Um, you turned her against me. That's a good moment. Padme's funeral. Uh, and the clones searching for Yoda, because it's a very militaristic slight version of the Imperial March. Um, in third place with two votes each, including my vote for this one, Anakin's dark deeds slash massacre of the Separatists slash Palpatine's empire, as he forms the first galactic empire that's my favorite musical moment in revenge of the sith is that piece that moment it's how about this haunting choir at the beginning too who who could have done this (laughs) and then it just gets nuts it's this fire lightsaber all right takes a little bit longer to build than i remember yeah here we go Oh. Everything's just frenetic and go yeah. bananas. I love these strings here. How they just keep repeating. And then, you know, it's a later version of the piece. Uh, 
as as we start seeing the aftermath of everything after the the last choir burst the strings just repeat incessantly with more intensity until the end and it's just it's oh, so yeah. interesting and so good but anyway i love it i love that piece so um anyway there's a couple of other uh with two votes each we have the duel of the fates moment during the yoda palpatine duel in the temple and the vader invades the temple moment um specifically um and then in second place with three votes uh we have order 66 the drums of war which opened the movie which by the and- way I want to say, luckily, we do have that thanks to somebody who a long time ago sent us this. I want to play that real quick because they're so, so good. They um, are. Let me let me cue that up real quick because it's worth it's worth hearing. <clears throat> it is. It is. If it's quite play. good. There we go. Come on. Oh, here we go. Those drums are incredible. I think those are timpanis, right? Probably. I think, I think so. Uh, uh, they just don't stop. No, they really don't. So it's good. So, so good. But, of course, um, also with three votes in second place, uh, this is where your vote went, Carl. And I'm sure no one has any idea what this could be. Uh, Padme's Ruminations. Ugh. To me, this is like one of my favorite musical moments in the entire saga. It's probably my favorite musical moment in the entire saga because the whole scene is driven by the music. And it's just so haunting and beautiful. The visuals are perfect, but the music really, really set this, the mood for this. Um, And I'm going to just fast forward to my favorite part, which is when you get this. Yeah, right here. Bailey. Yeah, that brief hint of the uh, Cross the Stars for. That's where this all, right, everything focuses on this right here. Just whispers in the back. Yeah. If you know what instrument that is playing that, let us know because I have no idea what that is. It almost sounds like it's, it's I'm guessing it's some sort of woodwind. Um, Maybe. It, it, it almost sounds like a theremin, but that's. What's oh, what's that? I don't know what that is. It's like an electronic instrument that's normally used for old 50s sci-fi spaceship effects. Oh, okay. Uh, But anyway, uh, coming in in first place with five votes is Battle of the Heroes. Um, And I'm guessing they particularly are choosing the the time that that's played during the duel between Anakin and Obi-Wan on Mustafar. Um, But the track itself is great. Um, Yeah. Oh, I think the track on the soundtrack is just called, yeah, Anakin vs. Obi-Wan. Nope. Nope. Battle of the Heroes. Yeah, but this is where it appears in the movie. Battle of the Heroes is just a concert suite. This is where it is in the movie. Which, the track the track title on the soundtrack is Anakin vs. Obi-Wan. So, it's the first time we hear it in the movie. Yeah, see? Hmm where the uh, Yoda shows up so <laughs> takes out some royal guards like a bunch of punks <laughs> alright so there you go there's the results from our poll uh, we got a matchup 
uh, for the end of the show. So I hope you stick around for that. Um, but Carl, um, what are we here for? Hope. It's all about the hope. hope. All about the hoop. Um, hoop. Yeah, no, I mean, like I was saying kind of at the top of the show, really feel like hope is such a, you know, it's such a huge central message right now in a lot of the Star Wars storytelling. Um, obviously, Rogue One, to, to me, is just one big hope with an exclamation point. Um, <laughs> yes. But even so, I don't want to spoil anything. I, I did just finish the campaign a few days ago for Battlefront 2, um, and I loved it. I thought it was such a great story. It was a lot of fun. Um, I mean, I, but I beat it on the easy level because that's what I always play video games on because I'm not good. Um, <laughs> I still died a lot, <laughs> which is pathetic. <laughs> Um, but it was a great story and there's a, um, I, a quick little spoiler alert here. I'm sorry if this is going to scandalize anybody. There's a, there's a scene where Leia refers to Iden as a beacon of hope and, um, Iden herself talks about how they're going to bring hope to, to the oppressed worlds that they're, um, you know, trying to, to free. Um, so, uh, if you haven't played the game or you, or you, or you have, but you haven't played the campaign. The, the story mode, yeah, I really recommend it. But it's this whole idea, though, that um, in in Star Wars, that hope is this—it's a conviction that things will get better. Um, that that the the right now is not forever, and it's the, a firm belief that there is a movement towards something brighter, towards something better, something more full. Um, and I think that's—I mean, that's hope is not wishful thinking. Um, no. So, like. That. Yeah, it, hope is it's it's more of a conviction. It's it's a um, so like it, for for instance, like in one of my favorite classes I took in grad school was a class on the theological virtues, which are faith, hope, and love. Um, and hope was the one that really sunk in for me in a, in a really new way. Um, because hope is it's it's the idea that it's the it's the movement towards something that's complete and full. It's not quite there yet, but you know you're going to get there. Um, and I think even in Star Wars, hope is – it really encapsulates that reality as well, is that that there is this movement towards something better. Um, mm-hmm. It's not just like, oh, gee, I sure I, I sure wish that things would be better. No, hope is – is it's active, right? It's not passive. Um, no. it's, it's working towards something that's better, that's, that's more full. Yeah. Um, hope, hope is a very – it gets a bad rap because people uh, talk about it being debilitating. And if you let uh, hope affect you in a passive way, yes, it can be debilitating. It can you know, make you just sit around hoping and waiting for something to happen or change or something like that. But um, the way I've always seen it, the way I've always um, taken it is that it is a very active thing and that you are – Acting and moving and doing things out of the belief that things are going to be better and out of the belief that what you are doing matters and makes a difference uh, for the better. Um, so I, I I fully believe that, that hope is a, is a very powerful thing. And, and obviously you and I, um, as, as Christians, you know – are called to walk in that, you know, is you know, faith, hope, and love. Greatest of these is love, but hope is a big part of that. Um, and so, 
I think that influences a lot of the ways I look at it. And so when when we have a movie titled A New Hope, when uh, you know rebellions are built on hope is like the catchphrase for Rogue One, uh, <laughs> and everything for the good guys is pointed even in the dark times, even at the end of Revenge of the Sith. There's hope. Even at the end of Empire Strikes Back, there's hope that things could get better, that there is something new on the horizon that will come about. Um, and so I, I think hope is a, is a great thing, and especially when you're talking about Star Wars. Um, I, I think that's something that George Lucas deliberately worked into it because the 70s was a very dark time in U.S. culture. There wasn't a lot of hope. You know, there was uh scandals and war and all the movies out there were full of anti-heroes and it was just grim a lot of grim stuff out there and i think george lucas really decided he was tired of seeing that and (laughs) wanted to include a bit of hope in his space opera so Mm. yeah no for sure that's a good point right like that it was even the story itself the very first story episode four was a story of hope Mm-hmm. Um, and it was speaking to a culture that was starving for it. And yeah. in a way, I think the same is still true today. Um, we are living in a very divided country, which probably hasn't been this divided since the Vietnam era. Right. Um, and it's a culture that is starving for some sense of hope that this current situation won't be forever, that we are going to move towards something better. Um, whatever that might mean, right? Um, right. I think that's that's open for interpretation in a sense, but um, in the midst of all this division, um, there is a hope that things can get better. Um, and I, I just I just think it's very powerful that that's the main note that Star Wars is really really hitting on right now. Oh yeah, um, that that's that's the <laughs> that's the note that gets leaned heavily on. All the time. If there's one note on the keyboard of Star Wars that is almost worn out, it's hope. Um, right, so, right. <laughs> yeah. That that thing gets hit constantly. Um, so even even in the Clone Wars, even in Rebels, um, all throughout the uh, expanded material with the comics and the novels, it's everywhere. Uh, you know. And that's something that gets played on a little bit when you go to celebration, you're hoping for a great time. You're hoping for a great trailer or something like, you know, just to some lesser extent, obviously, but you know, it's, it's something that's everywhere with star Wars and you can't escape it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, it hope in a way too, like it, it, you know, when they talk about hope specifically in rogue one, they're right. That, that tagline of, you know, rebellions are built on hope. Um, it's you know it it has glimpsed in a way a future that is better um hope needs to be in something that is real um because otherwise it's just empty wish wishing right um right with and the difference between a wish and a hope is wishing is i don't know it's it's like it's like smoke right it wafts up and disappears Hope is something that is rolling, right? It's, it's moving towards something. Um, it's based in some sort of reality. Um, yeah. And uh, 
You know, I mean, I mean, I can I can give the the Christian context, like for instance, like the idea of faith and hope. The the reason they're so connected, faith is a belief, and and it, 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 actual Christian faith is actually about. Um, uh, it's not it's not just believing what's not seen. That's actually empty. That's blind faith. Faith is based in some sort of evidence. It's not empirical evidence, mind you. Like it's not like oh, here's a scientific proof of God. But it's some sort of empirical evidence that, yes, here is where God has shown up in my life or God has shown up in the world, right? It needs to be based in that, um, which like why people had faith in Jesus was because their their belief was based on, in a reality of an experience, right? There was a reality of an experience that this person um, was God to them. Mm-hmm. And hope then is rolling forward with that faith of, all right, if that is indeed true, if God if God truly does take part in human affairs, then we can hope that human affairs will become fulfilled, right? And that's what hope is. It's the movement towards that. So that was a lot of quick theology. And uh, I remember somebody wrote in saying that we shouldn't pump the brakes as much as we do. So there we go. I just opened up on the uh, gas pedal. Um, (laughs) So... Um, but I think that's why I love that Star Wars is really hitting on hope because I think they are hitting it as more of a virtue and less of a wish, right? The virtue of moving towards something better. Well, oh, oh, the big difference, I think, is a wish has no substance behind it. You're, you're right. It's like smoke. It's, it's like, you know, you sit there and go, oh, I wish I could, you know, do this. Or, oh, I wish I could do that. Um, hope is you're like, well, I really would like to be able to do that. So let me pursue training. Let me practice. Let me, you know, it, I, oh, I wish I could play the guitar. Well, if you don't pick up a guitar and practice and work on it out of the hope that you could play it reasonably well, then there's no teeth behind it. It's just a wish. It, it just sits there. The guitar does nothing on its own. Hope is something that you're like, well, I hope one day to be able to play the guitar. It's more concrete. Right. I wanted to be able to play the guitar well enough that I can, you know, impress my girlfriend or just have fun or whatever the heck it is, or play in a band, something like that, and you work towards that. Um, wishing is, you know, <laughs> we had a line about wishing in Attack of the Clones, and I can talk about wanting to wish away his feelings, but he can't. <laughs> He's not really trying to get his feelings out of the way in that relationship, I'm just saying. Um, but uh, because there's no teeth behind it, there's no substance, he doesn't want to say no to those feelings. Right. Uh, let's be honest. <laughs> so yeah, there's no teeth behind wishing. There's nothing wrong with a wish. Right. Because it can turn into hope, it can turn into action, but there's no teeth. There's no substance. It is just sort of fluffy in there. It's like a marshmallow. Right. Rebellions are built on wishes. What? <laughs> nope. Nope. That sounds hokey and cheesy and silly. Rebellions are built on hope. Still a little cheesy, but much more realistic and true. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I kind of wanted to look at where we see hope show up in the – the Star Wars story. And um, I mean, I think it really, it really shows up first and in, in towards the end of Revenge of the Sith um, because there's no reason for hope in a way through much of the prequels. I mean, yes, I guess there's a hope that the, that the Clone Wars will end for sure. But well, looking I, at- I will, I will want to do want to bring one small moment into 
here from the Phantom Menace. Um, and that being the hope that Qui-Gon brings to Shmi and Anakin that mm. uh, for a better life for Anakin. Um, the ability to become a Jedi, to leave Tatooine, to not be a slave anymore. Um, and obviously we see that fulfilled rather quickly. Um, so it's not something that just that we sit here and, and, and watch develop over a period of time. It is It does happen quite rapidly in the course of the the story but you know anakin asks at the dinner table have you come here to free us and qui-gon says i'm afraid not and anakin says, well i believe you have why else would you be here you know there's that hope that a jedi has come and he's going to provide a better life for the two of them and then qui-gon does in Mm. a sense so at least for Anakin in particular, which is all that Shmi could have hoped for. Yeah. So. Oh, I love it. I can't believe, oh, that's so good. I can't believe I would have missed that good old Phantom Menace. Oh, I, <laughs> I love, love that movie. So I love cool. that movie so much. Um, we, yeah. we need to get um, Brian oh, from Full of Sith. What is his last name? Young. Oh, yeah. Brian Young, Full of Sith, on to talk about Phantom Menace one oh, day. God, that man is brilliant. <laughs> um <laughs> he has such a mind for Star Wars. Um, but yeah, no, what a great... Yeah, that is that is so true. That That is absolutely quite... And, and, and how apropos, too, because when this Jedi shows up, whatever Anakin knows about Jedi is that they are characters of hope, right? They're figures of hope. They're heroes. Um, mm-hmm. And heroes um, inspire hope, right? Because they fight for something better. They represent something better. Um, and I think that's exactly the point. Yeah. That, you know, when, when Qui-Gon shows up and Anakin learned, like kind of deduces that he is indeed a Jedi, um, which by the way, one of my favorite moments in star Wars is that little scene when Qui-Gon is, uh, tucking the, uh, what is he? These paloids. Yeah. Yeah. He's putting those into his belt and you see his, his lightsaber and, uh, just the brilliance of John Williams. You hear a couple little like chimes, like, like angelic chimes. Like it's, it's literally <laughs> like the music invokes what Anakin would have thought. Right. Like, right. It's, Whoa, that's, Whoa, it's magical. Right. Or like, like a little kid walking down during on Christmas Eve and seeing Santa putting presents under the tree. Right. It's like, it's like a magical moment. Um, yeah. and that's, that's, that little scene he, is so good. He quickly turns away. So it's not draw attention to it because, Oh my gosh, what's the Jedi doing here? You know, he's like, oh, yeah, I can't, can't tell anybody. So, <laughs> right. Right. But yeah, what a great point. Yeah. I mean that, um, yeah, that, that, that Qui-Gon is, 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 is very much the bringer of hope for Anakin and Shmi. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, I, I, I couldn't think of anything. Well, I couldn't even think of anything for Phantom Menace. So thank you for that. Um, I couldn't think of anything for Attack of the Clones. Not um, much hope in Attack of the Clones. I will say that. Uh, I mean, Padme is hoping to stop the creation of the clone army, but that you know that completely gets yanked out of her hands. You know, there's not much hope in Attack of the Clones. I'll I'll grant you that because that's where all the Palpatine's machinations behind the scenes really happen, and where you know the wheels are put in motion to actually cause the Republic and the Jedi to fall. So yeah, there's not a lot of hope in attack of the clones. Right. It's a fun movie. I like the movie, obviously. I know, you but do. there's not a lot of hope. Yeah, no, well, it's, it's essentially the beginning of, of the, the end in a way, right? It's, it's where things start to fall apart. 
Yeah. It's the start of a war. <laughs> so the poison um, blade gets stuck in the uh, the rib cage of the Republic. Um, and it just takes several years before it actually kills it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so Revenge of the Sith is essentially the the complete and utter destruction of all that was good in the Phantom Menace, right? Yeah. Attack of the Clones is what bridges that. You know, the reason that all of the good that is that that was existing during the time of the Phantom Menace, right? Like the the Golden Age, the time of purity and innocence comes to an end because of this great war and in its place comes an empire with an emperor yes. and a dark side. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and everything ends obviously on a downbeat in revenge of the Sith, except it doesn't. There is so much at the end there that it just is brimming with hope. And the first is really the birth of Luke and Leia. You know, mm-hmm. the, the music in that scene, too, is, is beautiful. Um, you know, it's it's very, like, l- lullaby-esque, if you will. Yeah. Um, and as these children are, are being born, um, they represent the good intention of what Anakin and Padme had. There's no doubting that they, that they were indeed in love, that they loved each other and, right. and wholeheartedly. Um, that love is obviously corrupted because of Palpatine, um, but in its in its wake is hope, and the, this hope is represented by by these two infants. And there's, I mean, really, like think of it in the grand scheme of all storytelling. There's nothing more hopeful than new life. Um, yeah. And when these, you know, when Luke and Leia are born, it really represents the, the love of Anakin and Padme, which is still going to exist beyond all of this this darkness and it holds the potential to undo the sins of the father. Um, yes. Right. It holds the potential to make everything right again. Yeah. And that's something that Obi-Wan and Bail Organa really have to cling to because they know it's going to be a while before things get better. Um, that things are bad. There's no doubt about it. You know, the, the empire is on the rise. The emperor is in control and the Jedi are all but extinct. Uh, so they have to go into hiding. They have to bide their time and they have to cling to this hope as they take the children of Padme and Anakin, you know, two of the most influential and powerful people to ever work on the side of good in the galaxy and hope that something good comes from them and hope that they can help shape and mold them into people who can influence the galaxy. Obviously, Leia is incredibly, uh, you know, worked towards as, as far as um, being an influence, an influential person and someone who uh, is a mover and shaker. Um, Luke, not so much uh, as, as you know, someone for, to operate from the forefront. Um, although I think Obi Wan does a lot to try and keep his innocence intact. Um, but yeah, no, th- there is hope that that these two might do something someday to undo the sins of the father. Uh, I don't think either of them thought that they might redeem the father from his sins, but you know, somehow that they could undo and reverse the evil that had be d- been done 
due to the father and his master. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, and of course I love the closing scene of the movie, which is, um, Luke being delivered to brew, brew and Owen. And, you know, of course they stand in that iconic place with the swelling of the force theme. Oh, yes. Um, and I don't, I'm not sure if that's supposed to be a sunset or a sunrise. I'm assuming sunset because if that's, if it coincides, right? Like Luke is looking at a sunset. Right. Um, I'm assuming it's a sunset. Yeah. So, but they're looking at the sunset, which I think has like, um, and again, I love that it's twin sons because it's the twin children who are now <laughs> the hope for the galaxy. Um, but that sunset, I think is, it's, it's obviously the sun setting on the, the good days are over for a while, but also, um, the sun is setting on that old regime as well. And, and something new will rise, you know, mm-hmm. sunrises and sunsets in, I would think in, in artistic forms, um, in a way represent the same purpose of whether it's a sunset or a sunrise, they're always jointly combined, right? You can't have a sunset without a sunrise. It's, mm-hmm. it's a reminder that, um, things will get better. Because you know why? The sun will rise tomorrow and the sun will indeed set tomorrow, right? Like as, as constant as this, the rising and setting of the sun is the reality that things will get better. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, I think that's something that's uh, very powerful in that scene is um, that, you know, um, Owen and Baru and then also Briha and Bale, they hold hope, which is represented as these children, right? These little babies in swaddling clothes, right? Um, they <laughs> I get the oh, wait, sorry, yeah, yeah, right, wrong, wrong holiday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. yeah, no, you're right. They they are holding hope. They are custodians of it. They are carrying it forward, and um, they are the caretakers of it, and and have to nurture it and you know keep watch over it in order to ensure that it can mature mm-hmm. uh, obviously not just the, the the children but the hope that they can carry so yeah and i just wanted to, i know like primarily i was focusing on the films but i just i wanted to quickly just talk about you know the the, the twin sons episode from rebels which is which represents Obi-Wan as a character of hope, right? Um, that his whole life is now devoted to watching after what he believes to be the new chosen one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, his life is dedicated to this new hope. Um, and, you know, I, I love that about Obi-Wan. Like the, the old Ben character, the Ben Kenobi on the desert of Tatooine is, is a character of hope. Um, yes, you know he is living there with the conviction that things will get better, and his waiting, his patience will pay off. Yes, um, and I just oh, I love I love that figure of Obi Wan like that. Um, yeah, it, it it's someone he he's a he's a guardian of hope. He's he's someone as I said, you know, he's a custodian of it. He's a guardian. He's protecting it. And his entire worldview is wrapped up in the hope of the future because not only is it the hope of the future for the galaxy, but it's also hope for, in a sense, redemption for him. 
mm-hmm. um, because he believes he has failed. He believes he's failed Anakin. He believes he has failed the Jedi and the Republic. Um, and so not only is this hope for the galaxy, but this is hope for Obi-Wan. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, before we jump into like the hope that riddles itself through Rogue One and the original trilogy, just want to remind folks of our sponsor, um, tops who is inviting you to voyage across the star Wars galaxy with, an all-new trading card collection, Journey to Star Wars The Last Jedi. This 110-base storyline card set will take you on a journey across the entire Star Wars saga with a sneak peek at Star Wars The Last Jedi. You can collect stickers, characters, uh, illustrated cards, and more. The Last Jedi product includes autographs from over 30 actors and characters. Pick up your trading cards by visiting tops.com today. Tops.com. Tops.com. <laughs> um, I still didn't pick up my, my packs today on the trader. Oh, well. Maybe I'll do that while we're recording. Oh, great. Thanks. Maybe. <laughs> um, I, I would say I am, <laughs> I am playing Galaxy of Heroes while we're talking. Jason! What? <laughs> But I can multitask. Okay. I've had the conversation, haven't I? That's true. I had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, excuse me. Whoops. Um, Oops. Excuse me. me. (laughs) Um, If we move into Rogue One, which again, like we've we've already said a few times, the whole movie is essentially um, grounded in the reality of hope. Yes. But... Right. There's there's this like we talked about this through line, you know, throughout the movie rebellions are built on hope. Um, And this particular rebellion operates out of the conviction that their efforts will make for a better tomorrow. Um, Again, that they are giving it everything they have. Because they believe that things can get better. Um, Well, and also also in a sense, they're they're operating in the absence of any proof that things could get better. Um, you know, they're, they're hoping that, that what they do will make a difference, but they're really working. And, you know, a lot of the beginning of rogue one is just showing how grim things are and how difficult it is to operate, um, in the hope that they're, they're trying to work towards. Um, but it shows them persevering anyway. So I, that that is a remarkable thing to to continue to operate and work on the basis of hope, even when there is no evidence that there is any. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, you didn't. That's fine. Um. But yeah, I mean, this is this entire movement. This all of these rebel cells that have now come together by Rogue One. Um are working with this hope that they can make things better. Yeah. Um, That and and hope in a way too is this understanding that it's a kind of a rejection of the way things are right. Um, To be someone who, who is without hope just means in a way you accept you are accepting the status quo. You're (laughs) fine with the way things are. Um, even if you're kind of not like, well, whatever, I, there's nothing I can do. I'm just going to let this be somebody who has hope is saying, you know what? The way things are right now, 
this isn't right. I'm going to, I'm going to work to change this. Um, and that's exactly what all of these rebel cells are getting together to say is there's something out of place here. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I could use your feelings. Something's out of place. Yeah. It's out of place. (laughs) You're asking me to do something against the Jedi code against the mentor and a friend. That's what's out of place here. Why are you asking this of me? The council is asking (laughs) such a good scene. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, I mean, the rebellion knows that things are out of place, that things are not the way they should be. So they're working to bring them back into order, bring them back into freedom. Right. Um, so yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, so to me, the, 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 the biggest scene in rogue one though, that represents hope is when, you know, again, that culmination at the end of the film with Jin and Cassian, they send the plans and then they go to die on the beach. Um, <laughs> I mean, they both are content in laying down their lives for a future they won't see. And the same is true of all of those characters, right? Every single rebel who gives their life at the Battle of Scarif is laying down their life for a future they're obviously not going to see. Um, that's true of all soldiers, right? Like, in a, in a sense, um, they're laying down their lives for something they won't get to even be a part of, um, which is the mark of true courage. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I love the way that movie ends, and I know we've talked about this, like, several, several times, but, you know, that that kind of beatific smile on Jin and Cassian's faces. And to me, it's not like, oh, they're not psychos. They're like, oh, great, we're going to die. Like, But I think it's just this... It, it like this deep contentment with we did everything we could and should have done and we're good now, right? Like we're, yeah. we're content to have played our part mm-hmm. in bringing the hope of, you know, freedom to this galaxy. And like I've said before, I mean, I love that. Then that shot from space, you know, with that beautiful music and this mushroom cloud, which I'm calling the mushroom cloud of hope. that you know rises up into the stars and that's really what has happened here at the end of the battle of scarif is this hope literally just like explodes into the rest of the galaxy um right like the battle of scarif changes everything right it's no longer individual cells working independently it's no longer small little movements this is an open rebellion now right this is indeed a galactic civil war um and that all comes comes out of the battle of Scarif and it shakes the stars, right? One of the titles of, of one of the radio dramas, I think is a wind to shake the stars or something like that. Yeah. Um, And I think this is, yeah, I think this, this is that wind that shakes the stars, right? That mushroom cloud, which yes, is the death of our heroes, but it's also their sacrifice Their The hope that they have is now just, explodes out into the rest of the the galaxy and it's going to shake the rest of the galaxy into, into more action. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it is the, it is proof. It is something tangible, something that they can put their hands on, um, in order to really say, here's what we've been fighting for. This is something that we can, can do something that we can say that we have accomplished to back up the hope that we've been pursuing. Um, 
and they really have brought hope. And, you know, do you think anyone's listening? Well, the thing about hope is it's contagious. Yeah. Um, and so when it starts to swell, when it starts to move, it, it gathers strength and it gathers force and it's like a, you know, a snowball going downhill. Um, and before you know it, you've got an avalanche and, and that's kind of what happens is, uh, the hope that is provided to the rebel alliance in these plans gets played out in a new hope. Um, they destroy the death star, which is what causes the rebellion to be taken seriously and to begin gathering strength. And, um, not only in, uh, the propaganda and what they are trying to do, but also, uh, in numbers and in forces and ultimately enables them to take down, the empire. Um, but this is the beginning. This is what sparks it. This is the, the, the spark that starts the, the smoldering, you know, embers that gets fanned into a flame by Luke, Han and Leia, um, that ultimately burns down the empire. So, um, and it's, it's a great scene. It's a great movie. I love Rogue One so flipping much and I can't wait for us to do another episode on it. Um, but we'll have to do a comment. We'll have to do a commentary. Um, Sometime yeah. in January, when we sometime after after La- we finish discussing uh, Last Jedi for like seventeen weeks or however right. long that takes us. <laughs> um, but yes, after that we we need to do a commentary for Rogue One. Um, but I, I love the this movie and I love the emphasis on hope in Rogue One um, is something remarkable given the circumstances because it's not. Uh, shall we say laissez-faire it's not a you know hunky-dory movie of any sort you know it's <laughs> there's some bad stuff that goes down so uh but still it emphasizes hope and that's the remarkable thing yeah yeah um well and then obviously the movie ends with the word hope right yes. they you know captain antilles yeah hands off the plans and Leia turns in all of her glory and says, hope. Yes. What um, have they brought us? Hope. Right. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, what do you think she means by that? Right. Why does she call it hope? Well, it is. Uh, it, it, it's something concrete. It's something to act on. It's something that they can use. Uh, it's not just an idea anymore it's it's something that has legs it has uh something solid behind it now and they they can do something with this so i think that's that's why she calls it hope that's what she means mm-hmm. um so yeah yeah you know and for me too like the plans in a in an even bigger way they represent the love of galen Right. Um, Galen put that flaw in there out of love for his daughter, out of, you know, that's his own personal way to fight for the rebellion is he sabotages the Death Star. Um, and again, it, gosh, I'm always forgetting who, who sent us that email, but it was so beautifully put um, about how Galen's acts in Rogue One are set off this chain reaction of love. Right. Like his love <laughs> brings Jin back into the fight, which then sends these plans to Leia, who 
leads them into the hands of Luke, which then leads Luke to his father and the love for the father redeems him. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, these, these plans represent a very concrete hope in the fact that they now have the means to destroy this, this, you know, massive machine of death. Um, but it also represents, um, in a way like the power of love and what love, the effect love will have on the galaxy. Um, yeah. So instigated kind of by Galen. Look at that. All it takes is one man to strategically placed to bring down the entire Death Star. <laughs> For real. For, For real. real. Um, but, uh, but then nearly moments later, yeah. <laughs> we get into a new hope. Right. <laughs> I mean, which should give you a clue about the content of that film. um the thing i like about a new hope as much as i'm not like a like a huge r2 and 3po fan not that i'm just not that i dislike them either but they are the bearers of hope through much of the much of a new hope right i mean those plans are buried within them um and you know r2 is going to protect them until the time is right um and 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 it's time for that hope to bloom in a sense right um, and, yeah. and like the, the language of the book of Psalms, which again, I don't mean to get super theologically heavy here, but the book of the Psalms, which is the prayer book of the Bible, there's a lot of Psalms about hope because they were, they were written during, during the period of exile for the Jewish people. And it's, you know, it's a crummy time in their history. So a lot of the Psalms are essentially about hope. Um, and a lot of the language that's often used is it's cause again, it's an agricultural society. So it's the idea that you, that this hope is buried. Um, but it will bloom, right? That the time will come, even though you're watering it with tears is the language in one of the Psalms. It's very beautiful. Like we water the ground with our tears because our hope is buried there and it will blossom, right? That even, even our tears can bring about, um, a brighter future. And I love the, like, again, just kind of that visual image of the fact that this hope is literally buried in R2's rusty innards, um, and he's carrying that within within himself. And once he finds who he's supposed to, that's when the time is right to bloom, right? Like when Luke stumbles across it, oops, crap. Like R2 is like, whoops, sh- that wasn't supposed to come out, right? And he's playing right. stupid with it. But, you know, then I love it Like when they meet up with Obi-Wan. He's like, he was carrying part of a message. I seem to have found it, right? And he's playing it right from the beginning, right? Like right. R2 was totally just messing with Luke. Oh yeah. Um and and I love yeah. that because like R2, you know, a droid, this in a sense inanimate object, um understands what hope is in a way. Like it, it and even he protects it until he gets to the right source. Obi-Wan is the one I'm supposed to share this with. So that's who gets the full message. Oh yeah. No, no, no. This is this is R2 at his best. He knows what's what. He's the guy who's got all the plans, all the ideas. Um and he's he's the one who uh, he's the one who weaves the tale, so to speak, if you will. And, and I know in um, the the novel, um, the A New Hope novel, essentially uh, the story of A New Hope is being told by R two D two as you know being written down in the Journal of the Wills. Um, that was the original uh, mm-hmm. idea in the novel, so that's pretty cool. But R2, I love R2 so much. Everybody knows he's my favorite character. If you don't, then you haven't listened long enough. Um, <laughs> but 
R2-D2 is my absolute favorite character. And so to see him be the custodian, the, the one who is carrying hope around, as you said, in his rusty innards, um, is always makes me very happy because he's the most important character in the entire movie. And yet he still throws himself in danger and, you know, has to go in and rescue people and that sort of thing. And um, But I... He manages to safeguard these plans all the way to their destination, and they get there in time, in enough time, to discover the weakness that Galen put in there, uh, and you know, our, he went on that that mission to take out the Death Star. Yeah. So he, he got it through. kind of up and crispy fried, but. Um, he was out there yeah. fighting. Yeah. He sees it through. Yes, he does. R- R2 is, <laughs> I, I swear, R2 is the storyteller. He's the one who's got all of this in his data banks, and he's telling us these tales. Um, makes you wonder how much of it he's exaggerating on his behalf. But um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, all those times I rescued everybody, maybe I did half of them. But seriously, though, I'm I'm the big shot. Uh, he's got me convinced. Uh, <laughs> right. Right. The reality was they were stuck in the Death Star's uh, trash compactor, but the walls never actually moved. They were just stuck in there, and he opened a door. <laughs> right. Right. That's that's kind of what happened. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, I I love R2D2 and the fact that he's you know gets to play such an integral role in safeguarding the hope of the galaxy, you know. And obviously, Luke is is the a new hope that is referenced to in the title, but he's also you know brought into the story by R2 and 3PO. So at, while they are safeguarding these plans that are the hope of the rebellion, they're also the ones who encounter. And bring the story to the to the new to the hope of the galaxy. So they're carrying the hope of the rebellion, but the hope of the galaxy happens upon them and gets drawn in the story because of them. Right. So, yeah, yeah. And then the only, the other other thing I wanted to mention quick about a new hope is um, Ben Kenobi at the end of the movie, reminding Luke that the Force will be with him always. And it, one way it's 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 a very big hope about the about a reality that life can still exist beyond death, um, right? Luke thinks he's dead, but now he's heard him talk to him three times, <laughs> um, and there it, it all, yeah. And it's the hope that Luke's never going to be alone in this journey now, right? That he has guides and he has this thing called the Force that that he now has access to and has a way to connect with, um, you know, and, and that's, that's a hope for Luke that his journey is far from over, that it's just beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it gives Luke, you know, the hope to, to learn about it in order to reconnect with Ben Kenobi and to continue to pursue the Jedi training, um, which is ultimately what drives him to Dagobah. To find Yoda. Right. The hope that he can train to become a Jedi like his father. Um, although he doesn't know his father was Darth Vader at the time. Um, that's something that was uh, not shared from the outset. Wisely so. But Obi-Wan did 
fib a little bit. Um, <laughs> but yes, no, it, it is that hope um, that there is life after death, that there is a way to still connect through the Force that drives Luke to leave the Alliance on Hoth. You know, he gets visited by Obi-Wan. He sees Obi-Wan in his darkest moment as he's about to die in the cold. And that vision, the the hope for answers, drives him to seek out Yoda. The hope for knowledge. And that's when he goes to Dagobah, my least favorite planet in the galaxy, uh, because it's just so gross. So um, good. But, but, you know, he finds Yoda in one of the most spiritual places in the galaxy. It's funny how spirituality and grossness sometimes go together. I'm not, that was a weird comment. <laughs> weird. Um, <laughs> gross um, things. I, I'm, I'm not even going to try and make that comment make any sense because it didn't. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, no, he, that's why he goes to, to Dagobah in the first place and he becomes a Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, For real. Yes. Um, the, to me, I, another though, like in the Empire Strikes Back, though, again, which is the entire that that very end of that movie is is some of the most hopeful stuff in Star Wars as well. I mean, Rogue One also is full of hope, but again, everybody talks about that ending in Empire Strikes Back with you know our heroes just standing together in a medical bay, watching their other friends go off after Han. That movie again. I mean, that's. I think that's why it's the most beloved film. Um, is that theme of our char- characters have been beaten down the most? They have met the worst in life, and yet they can still look out at the stars and know that the best is yet to come. That that this isn't the fight's not over. That there's something more that exists out there for them. Um, and I think that's just such a beautiful part. And I, I know that I, I really feel like Last Jedi is going to echo that the, a lot of those beats. Um, and again, like Ryan Johnson, that's one thing he's talked about a lot is the fact that, you know, Last Jedi is essentially the first thing he did when starting to write the story was wrote down the names of all the characters and then came up with, here's what will test their metal, right? This is what is going to draw them out. And that's really what Empire is really about, right? Like all of our mm-hmm. characters are are. are tested in fire here and they come out on the other side broken, but not beaten, you know, and, um, and it makes them better characters for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree. Um, I think we're going to see some, some of that, something like that in the last Jedi, uh, because there's a lot of moving parts in that movie. It looks like, and and I think, uh, obviously it looks like there's going to be, you know, a lot of, troubling times coming up for our characters. So it's, it's going to be, you know, interesting to see how they work through that, how they meet those troubles, how they, uh, are able to respond to the testing of these issues. And if they're able to come out on the other side, um, and if they are, what is driving them to move forward? So, um, that's going to be something fascinating to find out. Um, but yeah, no, Empire Strikes Back is similar to Revenge of the Sith in that way, is that, you know, there's, while Revenge of the Sith is just, you know, darkness on the whole galaxy, 
um, with this light for the hope of the, the future of the galaxy, Empire is much more personal. It mm-hmm. zooms in on our our key heroes and it shows the struggles that they've been through. The Rebellion was discovered on Hoth, but largely escaped. They're still out there surviving. Um, you know, they, it wasn't it wasn't an easy escape, and they lost uh, key personnel. But they're still intact as a whole. The real beatdown comes with our characters, our, our trio of heroes, and the fact that they're able to sit there at the end, hopeful for the future, um, hopeful in rescuing Han, hopeful for the rebellion, uh, you know, is quite a remarkable thing. So they've been tested in fire and emerged on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one last thing of hope that I wanted to hit on, um, you can obviously fill me in if I'm missing anything, uh, is the, again, the, the Anakin having a force ghost at the end of return of the Jedi. And to me, that's a very hopeful scene because it's a reminder that no one is beyond saving, right? Darth Vader is the evilest character in star Wars. Um, you know, I mean, he's, we see, I don't think so. Oh yeah. The emperor. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Um, (laughs) but you know, but Vader is though, like he is for all intents and purposes, really. I mean, if you've never seen the prequels, just watching the OT, the emperor, yeah, he's, he's just the bad guy in the background. Vader is the front and center villain of, of a new hope and empire, right? He is the last person you could think of as someone who could be redeemed. Um, so seeing Anakin's force goes to me is, is the hope that in a way, no one is beyond redemption. Right. And, and obviously this has opened a lot of questions now with, you know, after force awakens, well, can Kylo be redeemed? Yeah, I think so. Um, absolutely. If Darth Vader can be redeemed, everybody, anybody can. Yeah. Um, maybe not, maybe not Sheev Palpatine, but (laughs) no, no, Sheev Palpatine, I think just took so much pleasure in the, chaos and the evilness that he uh stirred up you know there was so much that he delighted in in being in the dark side that i don't think redemption is even something he could conceive of uh he's a demented human being let's be honest if he's even human um but you're right you know vader is someone who did unspeakable things um in order to save the ones he loved in order to please his master. Um, and as someone who has given up on ever being happy again, on ever uh, being good again. And so he's given hope by Luke and is able to come back and be redeemed in some sense. You know, obviously a court of law would not, justify his actions he would never see the light of day again in a court of law Um, but the force recognizes the change and recognizes the what he did and is able to say yes you have been redeemed and in the act of selfless love that he uses to save his son is what qualifies him for that afterlife as a force ghost 
And I think it makes it even more poignant that we get the Force – and I'm going to get you know a little bit controversial here. And I think it makes it a little bit more poignant when you have the Force Ghost of Anakin um, as Hayden Christensen in Return of the Jedi because then you go, see, even though he did all these terrible things as a young man, we're not just redeeming the old guy at the end. Mm-hmm. We're redeeming Anakin. We're redeeming this character as a whole. You know, we're not just redeeming the old guy that we found in the mask. Yeah. You know, we're not redeeming the last portion of his life. We're redeeming Anakin as a person, all of him. And so I think that's one reason why George Lucas wanted to make that change and put Hayden Christensen in there. Um, And one reason why I think it makes it more powerful to have that change. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say that sometimes it's weird seeing Anakin, you know, Hayden Christensen as a, instead of Sebastian Shaw, since I was really introduced to the film as you know the from the special editions. But I think it makes it makes more sense in the grander story to have Hayden there. So um, because you are redeeming Anakin as a person and not just the last thirty minutes of his life. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I I appreciate your your stance. I mean, I still prefer Sebastian Shaw um, because I think that is still that is redeeming Anakin as a person. But um, I also think that bringing Hayden in, it's, I, I'm really hoping they do. I, I really hope we see him in, in Last Jedi. <laughs> yes, um, please. And, and uh, yeah, so well, that's my hope. <laughs> <laughs> um. One thing I do want to bring in from The Force Awakens um, is the hope of finding Luke, you know, is what drives the story along um, in many ways. Leia and the Resistance is searching for Luke Skywalker. The hope that he can help put things right again is what sends everyone on this quest to find Luke Skywalker. Um, and for Ray, the hope of finding connection and family again drives her into this situation, into the scenario, and makes her the the fulcrum in a sense, the the spearhead for that um, that mission to find Luke. Um, and obviously, it's kind of hard to see and to talk about how well that works because we find Luke at the very end of the movie. Obviously, the the, the hope there is realized in some sense because they've discovered where he is. They found Luke. He's there, but we don't know what happens next until for another two weeks. So, um, (laughs) we don't know exactly how that all plays out. Um, and I'm really excited to find that out, but I did want to make sure we brought force awakens in here because, um, I think particularly the biggest, you know, point I want to make is that is Ray's hope for family and connection is what really drives her to to get involved mm-hmm. um, and why she's the one who's the one searching for Skywalker at the end of the movie. So, um, yeah, well, and even, and I think even, yeah, Ray says to BB eight in that one scene, you know, don't give up hope, you know, whoever you're looking for, they may come right. back. Right. Right. I know all, uh, I know all about waiting for my family, <laughs> my family. Come on. Hello, Mr. Abrams. Hello, Mr. Abrams. Hello, Mr. Leclerc. 
Oh boy, I'm so wor- <laughs> I'm so nervous that she has cat allergies. Uh, I- <laughs> she- I'm just gonna have to load her up with Benadryl when she comes to hang out. Oh yeah, I know. Or just or send Embo just- away for the day. Sorry, buddy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be like, "Hello, Mr. Embo. Jeez, oh, Louise, I'm sneezing. Achoo. <laughs> Wait, are you talking about Ak Ak two? Ak two. Ak two. Ak two. About Ak two on Ak two. Hmm. Tell me all about it. Um, oh man. <laughs> please, I want to know. I have yeah. to know. Uh, anyway. <laughs> no, but, yeah, I do. I appreciate you bringing in that that point on Force Awakens for sure. Like that, the hope for sure of Leia is to bring Luke back into the story and and raise hope for a, a connection and family. Um, lead them to well, inevitably lead them all into this this converging path. Um, and even Finn has hope for something new. Yeah, uh, hope for something beyond the First Order. Yes. So. Yeah, um, for sure, and and, and, and also let's not forget Leia's hope that there about that light that's still in Kylo, right? Yes, the hope exactly. that he can come home, the hope that he can he can be redeemed, right? That's yeah. her hopes too, too moving forward still. And um, I don't know that Han has it. I don't know. I don't know when Han goes out to con- like right, like Han makes it pretty clear to Leia, like. You know, our son is lost. You know, he's gone forever. No, like it was Snoke that turned him to the dark, right? Like, um, I love that Han, I don't love this, but yeah, I, I think Han has kind of written off his son. Um, not like I hate him, I hope, right? Necessarily, but it's just like, yeah, I understand that he's not coming back. But Leia still holds on to that conviction. I don't know that she changes Han's mind, though. In the sense of like, I think he goes out there to just give it everything he has. I think for Han, this is how his journey is going to end. I think when he walks out there, he doesn't, I don't think he necessarily thinks he's coming back, right? And I think, again, this is so well acted by Harrison Ford. When he when he steps out onto that, you know, walkway and Kylo turns around and says Han Solo, you know. And then it goes back to Han kind of zoomed in and you see him kind of like gulp. Um, not, I don't think he's gulping in fear per se, but I really think for Han in that moment, it's just like, Oh crap. I really don't know how this is going to go. Um, and I think his, his, the words he shares with Kylo out there, you know, you know, come home, we miss you. It's too late. No, it's not like, right. Like I think Han does believe that Han is trying to say like, you could come home with me. Like we will bring you home and, and, and welcome you back. I think he really believes that. I, I don't know if he really thinks I don't know. I don't. I don't know if he has that same hope that Leia does. What do you think? Um, I don't think he has the same hope, but I do think he has some sort of hope. Um, especially after Leia, you know, he he says, you know, what can I do? You know, even Luke couldn't stop him from turning to the dark side, and she says, "You're his father," and I think that sort of you know grounds him back in reality because. Mm. While Luke is his teacher, Luke was his master, Luke was the one who taught him the ways of the Force, there's something special about the relationship between a son and a father. There's something that moves beyond the realm of, of you know comprehension sometimes. There's, there's a connection, there's a, um, a way that people interact and uh, a power that's there. In a sense, and we, we we've seen fathers and sons, fathers and daughters, over and over and over again in Star Wars. And so, I think 
Han has hope that maybe he can be worth something again, mm. you know, to somebody, to, to, to Kylo. I don't know if he's expecting to come back when he steps out on that catwalk, uh, but I do think he is hoping to make a connection and believes he can make a connection. And the results of that connection he's not certain of, um, but I, I think he goes out there with the hope that he can reach his son, which he does. Yeah. We see, we see Ben come out, you know, he puts the helmet down and he is just in utter turmoil inside, you know, behind the mask, behind the facade of Kylo Ren, Ben solo is scared. He is in turmoil and he doesn't know what to do. And Han reaches out to try and help. And there's something happens when that sun goes out that triggers Kylo Ren back to the surface and the mask falls back over Ben's face. Even though he doesn't have it on physically, the Kylo mask slams shut again and takes over. I think it's very, there's a very um, legitimate idea that uh, Kylo Ren operates in a very similar way to Darth Vader does to Anakin. Um, it, it shuts, Kylo shuts Ben away. He says he destroyed Anakin because he was weak and foolish. Like, or he says he destroyed Ben because he was weak and foolish like his father. But obviously that's not true because we see him a moment later. Um, and so I think Han has hope that he can reach his son. Um, but that's all that matters to him in the large scheme of things. He doesn't really – he's not really invested in the resistance against the First Order. The conflict doesn't concern him as much. Um, but his son does. Yeah. And so I think, there, I think there is hope in him. It's not, the, it's not the same kind of hope that Leia has in that he can be redeemed, come back to the good side – you know, stand alongside with them, that sort of thing. It's just, uh, Han is always the most grounded out of all the characters because Leia has her eyes on the grand political scale, the, the way things are moving and shaking um, on one level. Luke is all in the spiritual level. He's, you know, seeing things through the force uh, he sees things, you know, as though they are or as they could be, not necessarily what they are. Um, and Han sees things as what they are right in front of him. Yeah. He's much more grounded. And so it's not the same kind of hope, but I think there is a hope in him. Mm. Uh, something that had been buried and almost forgotten um, until until Rey uh, reunites him with uh, with Leia in a sense. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's so great. I love that. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> Han is just the grounded character. Yes. Um, and that's great. Yeah. I think his hope is just have that connection, which he does have. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I think that connection that he, cr- that he, he's able to, to create with, with his son is obviously going to have ramifications in episode eight. Yes. Yes. There is, there is more to the legacy of Han Solo was not done. Because we still have yet to see the full impact of what that confrontation had on Kylo. Right. So legacy of Han Solo is not over. Um, and two weeks, Carl, 
two weeks. Two weeks. Oh. At this time in two weeks, the movie will be almost over, and I will finally know everything I want to know about The Last Jedi. <laughs> and you yeah. will have already finished the movie by this yes, time. Yes, yes, I, I will have been out of it for a few hours. Um, um, but uh, yeah, you know, so changing gears into looking to The Last Jedi, which is now just two weeks away from this recording. Um, so to get excited, of course, for the episode once again, um, we want to do some uh, daily episode, mini episodes um, for our Patreon supporters. Um, so starting on, um, what is the date? Starting on December 10th, um, and then going right up to the day of the release of the Force, or the Force Awakens, the Last Jedi. Um, we <laughs> the official are, release, the, we, the 15th. Yes, we are going to have five mini episodes each day. Um, and all you have to do is pledge $1 on Patreon to, to get access to this, to our journey to the Last Jedi. Um, uh, and we're going to look at, uh, the first thing we're going to look at is Ray and Kylo. Our second episode will be on Luke and Leia. The third will be on the fact that it's a middle act film. Um, our fourth topic is going to be Snoke in the dark side. And then number five, of course, is what, what do we want to see? <laughs> um, what do we got to see? And um, so that's looking ahead. So December 10th, we'll remind you on next week's episode as well. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if you want to hear just some of our initial thoughts on this, you know, head on over to our Patreon site and just pledge a dollar, even if it's just for the month. Um, that'd be great. Um, and we're still waiting to hear from um, the guy from, or, or woman, I don't know if it's a guy or a girl, um, over on our last iTunes review to send a free pack of our tops Journey to the Last Jedi trading cards. Um, so let me uh, pull up their name again really quick. Um, and um, they gave us a great review over on the iTunes the iTunes store, and we would love to send them a free pack of the Tops trading cards. So, if you are Chase C eighteen sixty five, again, please send us an email at wampaslarepodcast at gmail dot com, and send us just your your name and mailing address so we can send you a pack of cards. And again, if anyone else is able to just head on over to the iTunes store and write a quick review for the show. Uh, we're happy to send you also a free pack of tops during the last Jedi trading cards. So all you got to do is go over to iTunes and write a quick review. Um, but uh, yeah, so all sorts of uh, fun, fun new things coming up from us to get ready for the last Jedi. And like I said, if you want to have access to those mini episodes, just head over to our Patreon and just pledge a dollar. I mean, pledge more if you want, but uh, just pledge a dollar and, You'll get access to all those mini episodes starting on December the 10th. Uh, next week, what we're going to be doing for the episode is looking at kind of the idea of the fact that there are these rhyming story beats, right? And the Star Wars trilogies, which I think is, which I think is great. Um, and we're going to look essentially at like kind of some of the rhyming beats between Phantom Menace and New Hope and Force Awakens. And what are some central story beats that kind of exist in all three of them? While I don't think the three of those are all the same movie because they're definitely not. I mean, I think, no. yes, there, there are stronger connections to A New Hope and Force Awakens, but all three of them are very distinctly different movies, but they do have similar story beats. And then, you know, again, probably next month, we're going to be able to do this with the second act films. We'll be able to look at Attack of the Clones, Empire, and Last Jedi and see how some of these story beats are probably going to rhyme. Um, 
wait two years before we get into episode nine um right the third episode in in this series so um (laughs) yeah but um but yeah so that's kind of what's what's up ahead for us to get ready for last year and then of course the following week will be our 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 official pre last jedi show which um obviously everyone's going to have access to um oh yeah yeah we will do a a pre-show for the last jedi we'll if we can record it early, we might record uh, release it earlier in the week, right. so that those of you going to see it Thursday night, like us, will be able to download it and listen to it before you see the movie. Um, so, but of course, that's all contingent on us recording earlier in the week, uh, early enough in the week to release it um, a day or two before we normally do. So, right, right. So, anyway, that's all the happenings. Here in the lair that you are more than welcome to get involved with. Oh, oh but, but 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 wait, Carl. There's one other thing that we might be – that we're doing um, the day this releases. Oh, um, yes. That's right. Um, and we're going to obviously post this on social media as well. But if you have been playing Battlefront 2 in, on the PlayStation 4, um, Jason and I have played a few times together. So tomorrow night, Friday night – well, technically probably tonight because we, we are recording a day later than, than normal um, – but uh, if you are, if you would like to, at eight o'clock Eastern, we're gonna. Jason and I are gonna be on Battlefront Two for the PlayStation. Um, and if you would like to add us, you know, as friends, we could all play together in any mode of your choosing. So, um, my username is MenoMboDK, which you're probably not gonna be able to spell, but uh, that's why it's gonna be up on the social media. And Jason's is this is Boyd. Um, yep. so feel free to add us on the PlayStation network and we can play some battlefront two tomorrow night. Yeah. And we'll be on for a couple hours at least probably. Um, and again, that's going to be uh Friday, December 1st at 8 PM Eastern. So, um, and if this is successful enough, maybe we'll do it again. So when, when Carl and I have enough time to sit down and play battlefront for a couple hours. So <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, um, also real quick before we go, we do have one last matchup before we probably take, uh, we might take a short break from the matchups and polls while we do last Jedi coverage. But, um, uh, this was a, a matchup we did a long time ago. So we have done it. I, it was a very early one. So again, that was probably almost six years ago. Um, yeah. and I, I mean, we definitely have more Larians now than we did then. Um, and again, this just, I always, I I always think of this scenario when I watch attack of the clones, which if you've been watching social media, I've been obviously doing my rewatch of the saga as, as I get ready for last Jedi. Um, but that part when Mace Windu just comes out and, you know, this party's over, I always just thought it would be so great if we saw him and count Dooku go toe to toe and I don't know who would win. So that's the matchup is who would win. In a duel between Count Dooku and Mace Windu. Oh, I love it. Brave but foolish, my old Jedi friend. Your skills are no match for mine. (laughs) 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 So definitely weigh in on that matchup. Yes, please. Tell everyone you know to vote Count Dooku because he's obviously going to win. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry. Am I tipping my hand? Am I playing favorites? No, I would never. Um, (laughs) But Carl, before I influence the vote anymore, um, if they want to weigh in on uh, the matchup, if they want to weigh in on anything we've discussed, anything we've got coming up, where can they do that? They can do it on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Wampaslayer podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Wampaslayer. 
And um, of course, send us emails at wampuslayerpodcast at gmail.com. And like I said, if you'd like access to our mini episodes for Journey to the Last Jedi, head over to Patreon at patreon.com slash wampuslayerpodcast and just go ahead and pledge a dollar. Um, and uh, again, if you want to write us a, re- a review on iTunes, we'll send you a pack of top trading cards. So, yeah, there you go. That's all you need. That's all we got for you on this episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. This has been episode number 258. Hope for Carl. I'm Jason, and we will see you next time here in the Wampus Lair. Wampus Lair.